Welcome to the Life After Swim podcast. For this week's guest, I'm so excited to have Matt Rogers. He's a swim, he's a USA swim coach and an NY, he coached an NYS high school team and also a collegiate team. He now works for a financial firm and he's passionate about helping athletes find a career. So I thought it'd be perfect to have him to help athletes prepare for, you know, the real world. So Matt, how have you been doing? Okay, great. Thank you so much for having me on here. And I hope that I can add a lot of value to your listeners and give them some, some advice. Yeah. Awesome. So take us a little bit through, you were a, co- a swim coach for 18 years. Take us a little bit through the teams that you coach and kind of what you saw some things in the athletes. Sure. So I coached a number of different areas, everything from uh, masters uh, to high school, competitive high school swimming uh, to, you know, a large, a large club team here on Long Island. So I got to be in the you know, the different areas uh, of youth swimming as well as adult swimming. And I also finished up my career doing a year uh, for Division Three school, St. Joseph's College. I was the head coach uh, for a year there from the 2018-2019 the uh, season to, to finish out my coaching career. And now I, like you said, work for a financial firm. I'm involved in recruiting. Um, so luckily, part of what I get to do is get out there and talk to athletic departments, students, um, we do some new graduate hiring. Um, I also do experienced hiring. Um, so I have a good idea of some of the qualities that people are looking for out there in the, in the quote unquote real world as well. And I think that um, I have some good ideas for, for athletes to try and figure out how uh, they can start as early as possible uh, to figure out the best path for them. Right. No, those are really good points. Like what kind of drew you to helping athletes? Did you see like athletes while you were coaching or did you kind of just stumble upon this passion of yours? Sure. Well, as a coach who coached club and high school uh, of high school, you know, aged swimmers, obviously you have a lot of involvement with uh, the colleges that they're trying to select. So I was always giving people my advice on, how to begin to find those programs and, you know, how do we get that process started and kind of get them off the ground? Um, Cause you know, starting from scratch, I'm sure, you know, uh, when you start to need, you know, get the opportunity to become a junior senior in high school and trying to look for schools, you don't really know where to begin. So that was something that I was very, uh, I think I was very good at at least giving people some ideas of how to search some schools, how to get involved with the coaches and at least see who, who might be interested in you and kind of get that process started. I think that's something that I was, I was pretty uh, effective on at least letting the student athletes get out there and find the information that they were looking for. So that was as a coach. And then obviously um, in the corporate world, um, I'm, you know, not just searching solely for athletes, but obviously those are high quality individuals that a lot of companies are, are looking to take on board. So it's highly competitive uh, for companies to, to find you know, high quality student athletes, um, because they have a high degree of success, um, you know, as compared to, you know, maybe the general population in the professional world also. Um, so that's, um, you know, how I'm involved with, with helping them now. I've had a number of conversations and podcasts with people who are, you know, interested in, in similar topics as well in the, in the circles that I run with. And it was sort of just reconnecting with, uh, you know, my former network in helping them in a, in a different way now that I'm outside of coaching. So I feel very, you know, I feel very comfortable 
giving giving them advice on what they should be doing now on the other end. And I think um, I think it's been helpful to a lot of people. And uh, you know, I've brought on board uh, hiring uh, a number of student athletes uh, throughout my you know almost three years at, uh, in the in the corporate world that I'm that I'm in right now. So that's a little bit of how the transition for me went. And you know, definitely happy to uh, you know give some ideas here today. No, that that's awesome. What qualities do you specifically look for in athletes that makes you want to hire them like right on the spot? What are some things like that athletes can kind of work on or skills they can acquire to be more attractive when they go out looking for a job? Sure. So I'm going to take it from a really general standpoint, kind of how the different industries look at it first, and I'll give my personal opinion. So number one, what companies do is, you know, they want to begin their search in a pool of of high quality individuals. Um, So starting with student athletes is a great way to do that, right? So we know that they have a much more demanding schedule, uh, you know, physically, uh, as well as mentally than than your average college student. It doesn't necessarily mean that they'd be able to do a a job better or worse. However, um, you know, just knowing that they have that demanding schedule, knowing that they're very good at setting up routines. They're very good at self-discipline in a general standpoint. This is why companies begin their search, you know, in that pool, so to say. Um, so that's a general, that's a sort of a general outlook of all the different industries and why they're very interested in student athletes, because it's just a great way to start their search. Uh, for me personally, getting a little bit more in, involved and knowing people personally it's really about individuals that can overcome a challenge and see and see themselves through disappointment um, because that's going to happen the same way in a sport or in a game that they played, you know, the same way it will in the business world. So having people who are resilient and can continue to work through difficulties is something that, that I know they've done. I know, I, I know I've done it. Um, I've seen it. So I think that's a, a huge quality to get more specific for me personally is, you know, how, what types of individuals can we hire that when difficult times come up, um, they've dealt with something, a similar difficulty in the past and had to overcome disappointment or rejection and that they can get through that. And that's just something that other students, you know, may or may not have uh, seen in the past. It's just more likely that, that an athlete or I know an athlete has seen that type of difficulty, you know, to overcome in the past. What would you say like the most common question for a job interview was like that you think kind of solidifies the deal of whether they get the job or not? Sure. So there's a number of different interview styles out there. Um, For me, by the time I'm doing a face-to-face interview with somebody, um, I do like to get into, you know, what, what would they fit well here in the atmosphere. And I think that's something that's overlooked by, by a lot of jobs. A lot of jobs have very, very strategic ways that they're asking people questions. They'll ask people the same exact questions over and over again, and they'll compare. There's all sorts of behavioral questions to try and find out, does this person have the qualities uh, that we were actually just speaking about in the, in the last question? So they'll ask you specifically, what was the time that you came upon a difficulty and had to overcome that. That's a pretty common type of job interview question. 
there's also, you know, what is, what is a weakness that you have and how have you adjusted to that in the past? And these are all, you know, common behavioral questions. They all come from a, you know, they all come from a, I call it like a question bank. There's about yeah. 10 different ones that are extremely popular out there and you can easily research behavioral interview questions, uh, you know, uh, online. There's probably, you know, like I said, there's probably 10 that get used all the time. And those two examples that I gave you uh, for myself, by the time I interview someone, I obviously have specific questions that I need to ask. Right. Um, but I would rather get more of a, a personal insight. And this is just, this is just my strategy personally. Um, if you're going to select an individual, you're doing just that you're selecting an individual. And I try not to get, um, I try not to get questions that would, you know, elicit a, a sort of rehearsed answer that they could answer on any job interview. I do try to, to make it a little more personal myself, but that's probably not the experience that most people are going to see, um, especially early in the interview process. That's really, um, you know, that's really a challenge um, for, for most is that first level interview, you know, if, it's, if it is in person and, or, or not, um, a lot of things are happening over video right now. But I think um, that's really, you know, the first challenge is to, you know, see if this person can can respond under pressure, uh, if they can remain confident. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with with, with rehearsing, uh, you know, preparing responses to those questions, those behavioral type questions that will come up. It enables you to respond quicker and appear confident. So there's no reason that you shouldn't. Um, you know, address those questions. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people do prepare for interviews like that. And also just saying it or thinking it over in your head. Uh, if there's a particular way that something just flows off the tongue, you know, and you sound confident, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but I think that's, you know, that's something you're going to have to come to expect or, you know, especially on, uh, you know, on that first round is for a company is sort of the weeding out process. They saw you uh, on paper, so to say, they're interested, and now is your opportunity to to present yourself. Um, you know, personally, that's um, so you need to have the mindset that you're going to use that to your advantage. And knowing that these individuals who are interviewing you, you know, they they don't know they don't know you personally, so you can bring you know you really your best self with no um, you know with no expectations from them because they don't know who you are. So that's sort of a little confidence builder that I give to people is, you know, everyone is nervous for a, a job interview. Um, but however, so use that, use that to your, use your attitude to your advantage, just that they, they don't, they don't know anything about you. You're the one that gets to present, you know, the image of yourself and what do you want to present? So I think if you go into it with that attitude, um, that takes away a lot of the, the angst and anxiety that people have um, because they, they, again, they don't know who you are. They know nothing nothing about you personally. And now here's your opportunity to, to show them, you know, the best version of yourself, no matter what. Right. Wow. Those are so many good points. And I actually got two questions out of that. Sure. So is there, is there such thing as over preparing for interviews? Because I like prepared for my grad school interviews. And like you were saying, like, they kind of just threw me questions like I did not prepare for. So I think coming to like a point, like I was just very authentic with my answers, but is there like such a thing as like over preparing and kind of just like stump, like going blank? Like how would you avoid going just blanking out during an interview? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you come up with a question that, that really stumps you, um, 
I think being able to respond in a way that shows that you're confident to overcome, uh, you know, a, a learning curve or learning about something that you don't know about yet. I think that's probably the, the best way to respond to that. Um, generally, if, if we're talking here about, you know, new graduate interviews, um, the, the technical information, so to say, that they're going to be expected to know for an interview may be quite different than a position, uh, you know, that they want someone to have five years experience. There might be a lot more technical knowledge questions there. Um, so that may not be something that's as much of a concern. Um, but if something, if something does, you know, quote unquote, stump you, um, you know, just respond with, with the attitude you know, that one of the main reasons that you should be continuing to interview and considered for the job is that, you know, you're willing to learn and that you're coachable. Um, that's a good word that, as, you know, student athletes should be using. It's, it's simple. It's, it, it can be backed up um, and just know that you're coachable and willing to learn things that you don't know yet and that you're looking forward to. It. And that's a reason why, uh, you know, that you can work with others in, in, in a learning environment and, and you want to grow with this particular position. So that is, uh, you know, a good way to, to answer something that that completely, you know, might stump you or throw you for a loop. But then again, you know, don't let it, you know, this is hard to say too, because after getting those questions, you get, you know, you get all flustered. Yeah. So just know that there are other people probably that, that the same thing came up and, and just practicing what you're going to say, um, looking in, uh, you know, looking in the camera is funny. You know, we've all done that so much over the over the past year. So I think it's I think it sort of helps people's uh, people's skill. You're, you're looking. You know, it's kind of annoying sometimes looking at yourself on the on the camera back yeah. and forth. But at least you you know you you're able to view yourself. And I th I think that I think that's definitely helped a lot of a lot of people. I know it's helped it's helped me. So you know what you look like. You know how you're responding to questions. So it's interesting that that's kind of been you know, become the norm here. Whereas yeah. if, if you were, you know, before the, the video interview type of situation, you never were seeing yourself. So I was interviewing people obviously for a long time in the office here, you know, and then we went fully off site, and it was interesting just to like watch, to watch myself, what I was doing. I was very mindful of, you know, yeah. more, more mindful of where I'm looking and, you know, how confident I seemed in my answers and, or in my questions and my answers for, for interviewing candidates. So, um, you know, Definitely no, you know, there's not, there's no over-preparing. There's, there's probably under, there probably is under-preparing. Yeah. Um, I mean, over-preparing, I would say, you know, the only thing that would be over-preparing is where you're, you're like, uh, you're obsessive and it's, it's, it's not helping you at that point where you're just doing it too much that it's, that it's bothering you and you're over-worrying yourself. Um, right. As far as practicing, that's, you know, there's probably not too much practice. Just don't get it to the point of, you know, where you're, where you're obsessing. <laughs> yeah. Where I was going with that was kind of like thinking like, if you kind of memorize your answers, it'd be almost like reading off a script. So also just kind of like making your answers like authentic and like having an idea of what you're going to say, but also just kind of letting it, however it comes out, it comes out. Sure. Um, having, having some things that you're ready to specifically say word for word is excellent, but then be able to come off that a little bit more casually. Mm -hmm. So you can come up with some great responses that you say. Um, but if you, if you respond in, after, you know, maybe saying a couple of lines that you prepared for a specific question, you come off that 
in, in a casual way after saying that you come across both prepared um, as well as, you know, not rehearsed. There's no reason that you can't have phrases that you want to say that will come up. It'll make you, uh, you know, it'll make you appear much more prepared because you are um, then just, you know, don't be, just don't be, you know, robotic, um, you know, keep it, keep it conversational a, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, don't forget to, you know, be, be social in, in some way, shape or form. Um, it's also, you know, it's also an interview of, you know, this person's going to want to put you uh, on a team or with other people or in an office or work with you, you know, it might be someone that you're working to work with directly. So also, you know, also just being generally uh, friendly and, and, uh, and having a good attitude, I think is, is the main thing that comes across. Um, people are definitely going to be more likely to move a candidate along who's overall more enthusiastic um, you know, rather than uh, a technically, uh, you know, a technically, uh, you know, aware or succinct, um, because that so much of that in a workplace is, is extremely important. So, you know, you can find someone who has a really good background and then you meet with them and they don't seem enthusiastic about the role. Think about if you were interviewing somebody and, you know, you were going to give them a job and if they didn't seem excited or enthusiastic to learn more or ask questions, you're going to walk away with not a good impression of that person, not that they couldn't do the job, but they, they didn't seem excited. They didn't seem enthusiastic. And those are, those are extremely important. Uh, I'll tell you like all the people that were overly impressed with, um, you know, the basics are, are the basics, you know, you can check the boxes if they have certain knowledge that you're looking for or experience that they're looking for. But then when someone walks away and you have a good feeling about them personally, and they're really, you think that they are driven and really excited about learning more about the role. You know, those are the people who put themselves ahead of others. Right. No, those are awesome points. And this kind of, that kind of made me think about what my mentor was teaching me, like when applying to PT school is to also make it about them too. So asking questions about like the company or even like the grad school. So what are some questions like you recommend that kind of stand out, like doing the research before, like, what would you kind of recommend athletes do when they're looking for jobs and doing the interviews? Sure. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, form questions out there too and that are recommended. I think the best questions to ask are topics that come up uh, during the interview because you're showing engagement. You're showing that they listened. If they have any, you know, information that they gave you during the interview, I think those are the most effective. So, they might be asking you some questions and then if they go into something about the team structure and, you know, this is what this team does, you know, put that in the back of your mind for the end of the interview or the point that they want. Uh, they, they're going to give you the opportunity to respond with your questions, put that in the back of your mind and ask more about whatever that topic was. That's the best um, tip that I can give people as far as, uh, as far as interview questions. Like I said, there are a lot of questions that you can ask no matter what transpired at the interview. Um, a lot of them are, are very basic in general. Um, you know, people can ask, you know, what are, what are the challenges of this role? It's pretty easy to recognize that those are sort of questions that people were just waiting to ask. It's much more engaging. And I feel as an interviewer that someone was more, enth again, enthusiastic, wanted to learn more specifically when it's something that I know they couldn't have asked me 
uh, unless they were, you know, paying attention during the interview. So that's, that's the best engaging way to, to ask a question. And also most interviewers, uh, when you come in and I think that you can, I've only seen, I haven't seen that many people do it recently, but you know, have a little notepad and take notes. I think most people would, I think most people would appreciate that. They're not going to be able to see that on a video interview. It might be a little weird if they're, if you're not looking at them or something, or maybe you could say, um, you know, this is, this is very interesting to me. You know, I, I want to take good notes here. You can say, I would say that on a, uh, on a video interview. So you're not like, it doesn't look like you're looking all around in space. Yeah. Um, but face to face, I would say 99% of people who are interviewing would see that as enthusiasm, would see that as excitement to, to maybe take a couple of notes. Now don't try and write down every single thing that, that somebody says, but it, I think it is very engaging and I've had people do it uh, during my interviews and I certainly didn't mind uh, you know, I certainly didn't mind that. Now don't, don't take notes on a phone or computer or something like that. That's definitely not, not a good, not a good option, but, um, that might be a recommendation for people. Um, and then you're able to ask that, that engaging question that the, the, this method works very good over the phone, uh, mm -hmm. for, you know, that initial phone interview, which is oftentimes the way that an interview process starts. So I would, I would get used to doing that. Um, taking notes um, so that you can have an engaging question uh, for a phone interview. That's the best because, you know, you don't have to worry about how you appear and uh, you know, you can jot down these notes. And then as you're going through the conversation, when your turn comes up to ask questions, you know, you hit them with that. And this person, remember this person has been interviewing a lot of people. So when you ask an engaging question, it's going to stick out to them, you know, cause they've called, they've pulled other people on the, on the, on the role as well. And maybe they didn't have that experience. So making yourself stand out is the simplest thing. You, when someone's speaking with you, don't you want them to be paying attention to what you're saying? It's the, it's the, it's the easiest, it, it's this uh, not easy. It's the simplest thing in the world. Right. <laughs> no, that that's so, I didn't even think of that. Like to have a notepad, like that's something you don't think about, but that can really make you stand out. Like just asking genuine questions like that came up in the conversation. I love that. Absolutely. So, kind of like going back to the culture, how can with um, even like collegiate teams, there's like a culture of the team that kind of, you can tell when you go there on like recruiting trips and stuff, what would you say? Like, how would you gauge the culture of the grad school or the corporate job that you're interviewing, like just based on the questions they ask, or can you get like a feel for it? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great example of visiting a school, right? And trying to, to figure that out. Um, you can get a taste of it, but obviously until you're there, just like anything else, you may not know exactly. Um, so basically, you know, things to look for, I think when you're sitting there waiting in the reception area or whatever the situation might be. If it's an in-person in interview, you're obviously going to be able to figure this out much better, which is why I encourage people to try and do that as much as possible. Um, I, I think it's just better for everybody. So how do the people interact? Like how does, how does the, the person at the, you know, how does the person greet you when you come in? Do other people who are just in passing, who have no idea who you are. They might think you're there to do business, right? They don't know if you're interviewing. Do they say, just, do they give you a hello in the reception area? Just like little things like that matter um, because stuff like that, you know, doesn't, doesn't go on everywhere. So for example, I work, um, I've had the, the pleasure of working in environments where that is the norm and the working environment is pretty good overall. So I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. Um, 
if you do an in-person in interview, you know, how do the people who are kind of out and about in the office, how are they, how do they react to each other? Um, does it look like other people are, are engaging with each other? Um, you know, generally a good sign is, is, you know, people are, are speaking and it's not, um, you know, maybe they're not talking about business. Maybe there's people standing around just having a conversation quick, you know, maybe it does, maybe it lasts like 30 seconds. Um, so the, some of those things are, are, are just observational that you can try to recognize, not, not the easiest to do necessarily, um, but just try to see how people interact with each other. Um, you know, if you're, if you're treated well during the interview process, um, that's something, that's something to, to really look out for. Um, are, are they treating the people who, who they're interviewing? Are they treating them, you know, are they treating them well? Or do you really feel like you're like 100% under the gun you know, being challenged a hundred percent of the time, you know, that's, that's generally, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's, it's a competitive atmosphere, right. Getting a, getting a, an interview and interviewing. So um, you have to do what you can do, but um, you know, uh, those are just some observations you can, you can look out for as far as questions um, try to find out how willing some of the veterans are who maybe have been in a couple of different positions at, at a particular company, try to figure out how willing they are to, to throw their two cents and their, their informal advice to other people. Generally the best, I think the best work atmospheres are places where people will give their, their informal opinion. You know, a company can have a great formal training program and edu you know, an educational resources and development and all of that. But, you know, who on a, who on an informal basis helped you, you know, in this role? That's a good, that's a good interview question to ask. You know, was there anybody who helps you outside of the training program, uh, a veteran that, you know, was someone who was really useful for you to learn how to do this? Um, so there's, there's a, you know, going back to the, to the interview questions, that's something else you can find. And if people have stories like that, that's generally uh, a good definitely a good sign. Yeah. Um, the other big hint, and this isn't always the case um, because length of, length of stay at a company is getting shorter and shorter as time goes on. So, uh, you know, two years at a company, a couple of times in a row ha has become the norm. Um, people do move more often now. Um, but if there are a lot of people who have been there uh, for quite some time, that's probably generally a positive sign, right? Um, mm -hmm. So even though that's changing a little bit, um, if there are people who have been able to advance and, you know, you can, if you meet any of them, just look at their, look at their LinkedIn profile, you know, were they able to advance through the company every couple of years? How many people like that are there? Um, if you can't find anybody who's been there for, you know, if this is an established company, of course, not if it's a brand new startup, but you know, if it's an established type of company and there's no one in that department, there's no one in that sector, there's no one in that whole company who hasn't been there for more than like a year or two, you know, that might not be a, that might not be a good sign, right? Um, it doesn't, it's not black and white, um, but those are generally some good tips to, you know, to look out there, figure out, figure out, you know, who's here, why are they here? Were they given the, op you know, the opportunity to advance? And if there's a lot of people who have been there for quite some time, it's probably a good, it's probably generally a good sign. Cause why would a, why would a lot of people stay somewhere long-term? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's awesome. Just kind of looking at the history of the people that work there. And have you found that 
um, like employees that work there are very like honest and willing to talk about their experience there? Sure. So I, I think that if, if, if they are, that's a good sign. So if you're in an interview situation or you're new at a job and you're just in your first month or so, um, you know, certainly you want to be able to make that decision before you take a job or sometimes you don't have a choice. You have to take what, what comes to you. Right. So it, um, it's just the, the way the world works. Um, but that's a, that's a, exactly what we just said is a good way to find, to find these things out. Um, you know, see who is, uh, you know, willing to share their own experience if you can during the interview process. Um, if they do it very easily, that's probably a good sign. Um, if, if you are able to ask, you know, one or two people that, that type of, you know, that, that theme, that theme of question of, you know, if they give you a good answer, um, you know, a genuine answer, it's probably, it's, that's probably a good sign. You know what I mean? Right. But that's, that's a great, that's a great thing to, to try and, to try and figure out. Definitely. Yeah. No, those are really good points. And so what, what advice would you have for, let me rephrase this. How would you, how early would you start in the process of kind of job searching and even networking? Yeah. So, I mean, job searching, networking, you can do it. You can do it whenever you want. Sometimes just finding roles, looking what what's available, looking at different areas and researching it. Sometimes that will help you more than anything else, even if it, even if it goes nowhere. So, you know, as you're going through an academic program, um, you know, you might not have the insight or the information about the pros and cons of various careers. You know, what's the schedule like? What areas of the country is this industry strong? Um, what are, what is the, you know, the lifestyle of, of this particular industry or this particular type of role? And the sooner you find out those basic questions about a career, hopefully the, the more, uh, hopefully the better matched you're going to be uh, to this, you know, the, the choice that you make. And, you know, those ideas might change down the road after, you know, a lot of people move out of a role after I'd say about three years in is a good estimate of whether or not people will stay with that role or, or that type of role or that type of industry, probably about the three to four year mark, people either make a move either to the side and do something a little bit different in that industry or a little bit of a different role, or they continue sort of on the path, you know, that, 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 that they, that they were on for, you know, maybe the next 10 years or so. So, you know, you know, again, you don't know until you get there. Um, so you might not have, you know, you might not have a million different choices um, and you won't know until you get there. So don't, you know, you're never going to know all the answers, but um, there's no reason you can't ask people. So, in the business schools, I think this is a little bit easier to figure out because, you know, the majors generally have a, a, a job or a role that they're looking to train you for. Like I always use the example of accounting because everyone, you know, everybody knows that it's a simple example. If I go to school for four years for accounting, like there's most likely I'm going to go into accounting or some type of fi finance role, right? Right. Um, but however, a lot of people get out of that because they didn't know what the corporate life was in that type of role. And they, and they bail out of that to some degree, you know, within the first three to five years, like we were speaking before, but a lot don't. So if you knew what that lifestyle was like, if you knew what working for some of those major firms in that area of, of the financial world was like, you know, perhaps you would have made a, a different decision and perhaps you could have gone slightly different in your search. So any information you can find out 
Um, the good thing about, again, going back to some of the business schools are, you know, part-time, or I guess this could be any academic area, you know, part-time professors and adjuncts are really the best people to ask these questions to, because generally, you know, maybe they're retired and they're just, they're just kind of teaching for fun, um, part-time. Those are great people to ask these types of questions to, um, because they're in, in both, they're in both worlds, right? So look for, you know, look for individuals like that, who you can ask, you know, what's this, what are some of the, the, the options, you know, with this course of, of my major, um, you know, what kinds of positions should I be looking for? Um, Cause there's, you know, there's all different sizes of companies. There's all different, you know, there's all different terminology that you, that you might not even learn um, about the actual roles and also just understanding what the lifestyle is, um, you know, for that, I think is, is something that we don't, we don't talk about nearly enough. Right. Right. Those are great points. That kind of reminded me of like when we had like these mandatory observation hours, at least for physical therapy, we had to like make sure that we wanted to be in the profession. So we had to shadow the PT and just get a feel of the profession is that and internships are talked, are talked a lot in the business world. Like what advice would you have for athletes, particularly, particularly swimmers when looking for internships? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as far as looking, yeah, um, just again, looking, yeah. yeah, as far as looking, so I'll split that up into, in, into two, uh, the attitude you should have or, or why you should do an internship. And the reason you just gave with your, with your, with your PT is, is exactly it. You get to really do it and see what it's about. So those are great. Um, as far as looking for internships, um, you know, you have like the big business internships that have these big programs every summer that people enter and you apply to. And it's very much like, uh, you know, getting a corporate job, the interview process and things like that. But there are other options, you know, for smaller companies as well in a number of different industries that I think uh, get overlooked. Um, so look in all different areas um, as far as getting them. Look to alumni from your team, specifically for student athletes, look to alumni from your team who are one to two years out of school. A lot of the times the summer interns will get referred directly from people who are in that junior level. Um, you know, they got hired, their, their word is a good recommendation. Um, so that is, that is a common pathway uh, to at least getting an interview for you. So utilize those alumni who are a couple of years older than you um, to try and get you in there and maybe pass off a resume or something like that. Um, as far as what you should be looking for in, a, in, a, in an internship, um, you're looking to do exactly what you just said before. You're looking to find out, um, is this something that, that I want to do you know, full time? And I think that the, the most effective internships, um, they mimic the full-time role. Um, a lot of times, the I've obviously spoken to, to a million different people on interviews, and they've done a wide range of internships. And I think one of the, one of the experiences, and this is a, 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 it's a gross generalization, but it's, it's, it has validity. The smaller companies um, have been some of the best internship stories that I've heard you know, not very small, you know, doesn't mean they're not established or anything like that, but smaller firms often allow uh, the student intern to see a number of different areas within the firm. And you really get a lot of hands-on work um, because they, they truly need somebody in there 
um, to help them. And they, they really value their, their interns a lot. So if you get into a good small to mid-sized company, you know, established small to mid-sized companies, I think are really a great place to do an internship in a field that you're interested in. Um, again, another generalization, when you go to one of the large, you know, super mega type firms and you go into a, an internship with, you know, there's, there might be 20 interns who work with you on this gigantic team. And it might be a great company to work for. It might be one of the biggest names in the industry or whatever it is. Um, for example, you know, the financial industry here in New York, there's huge programs for all of the big banks, let's say every summer. And that's a competitive atmosphere for who they're going to hire next year. So your competition during that interview, excuse me, during that internship is an interview all summer long for who they're going to hire. And they throw out those offers, uh, you know, a month later in like October for who they're going to bring on after, you know, the school year is over. So there's a couple of different, you know, there's a couple of different advantages to, to each. Um, about the, you know, the environment that you get into. There's more of a chance, although it's highly competitive, they might only hire one out of every 20 interns. Um, but there is a, a good chance that doing an internship for a larger firm in general, again, a lot of generalizations, but it's the best way to, to give an idea, you know, gives you an opportunity to get a role because that's what they're there for. Um, they're there to see who they want to hire. It's, it's, a, it's a big, long 10-week interview over the summer. So uh, again, small to mid-size established firms, however, will also give you an excellent hands-on experience. If I had to, you know, cut it down into a couple of areas. And then uh, another good strategy for, for finding internships is, you know, find a, a, a small to mid-size company. And this works much better for the, for the smaller firms is find one, find an office, find some people and try to contact them and say, you know, I'm a college student. Um, I, I'm, I'm really just looking for experience, um, you know, this summer, you know, is it possible that, you know, we could talk about me helping out, you know, with anything that I could be of assistance with in your office this summer, you know, maybe one day a week, I can just come in. I'm really just looking to learn. I'm not looking to be paid or anything like that. I just want to get the experience. And, you know, if someone's contacts you and they're, they're willing to kind of have that attitude, um, they, they might be able to, to, to make something happen for you. Um, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of work to, to do it that way. Um, but again, just showing your initiative and, you know, again, the smaller the, the, smaller the company, the more you're, I don't want to say the more you're going to be valued, but the smaller the company, you know, the more you have an opportunity to, to stick out, right? There's, there's advantage, again, there's advantages to, to both, but those are kind of the, you know, some, some quick, some quick tips on, on internships. Good to know. Um, so what actionable advice would you have for just current collegiate athletes or even like high school swimmers to kind of, um, sure. So I think you need to ask questions like we were speaking about before to people who are, you know, in charge of the, the majors, whether it's professors or other individuals, you know, ask them about actual career paths. Um, you know, what are, what are two things that are good about this career path? Um, you know, whether it's financial, whether it's well-paying, um, you know, what's the, what's the schedule like? Um, you know, is there a lot of travel involved? And that could be something you like or dislike, right? A lot of travel or not a lot of travel. So there's a number of different lifestyle 
examples that I think people don't really investigate. They get roped into like the hype of, you know, being with a certain company or being with a certain uh, industry that they know is well-paying, which is nothing wrong with that. Everyone, everyone needs to, to make money. Things are getting more and more expensive. So I don't think it's bad to, to think like that. And sometimes I think, you know, it, it's discouraged to have that as one of the top priorities, but it can be a top priority. Um, however, just know, know what you're getting into. Where is your, where's your balance? What kind of environment would you work the best in? Are, are you someone who can have a lot of feedback, whether it's negative or positive? Are you someone who wants that, someone who wants to be back in another competitive environment as your job? Or are you someone who is more successful working more independently and maybe not being you know, checked in on every, you know, every second of the day in a little bit of more of a relaxed environment. So, you know, which one are you, which management style do you work better for, which careers might have uh, those, you know, those different options to you. So really just number one is, is asking questions, figuring out something that you're going to be good at and successful at. So just like people gravitate towards a sport that they're good at, um, you know, at some point in their life, you know, not everybody was, you know, on a club swimming team when they were three years old and trained in five in the morning, you know, everyone entered and specialized at some point, you know, to that because they were successful in some way. Right. So it has to be something that you think you're going to be good at. Um, if you start in an environment that's, you know, I don't want to say don't challenge yourself, but if you start in an environment that, you know, is just something, you know, you're not going to excel in, um, it's not going to be something that lasts. So, you know, understanding your own strengths, trying to apply them to the different, you know, career paths that are out there. And you don't, you know, you're never going to know how to apply those strengths that you have if you don't ask people who are in that industry, who know about that industry, you know, what, what the lifestyle is like, what the day-to-day -day work is like, because you need to understand the environment more than the, the subject matter or the, or the industry. So just know what you're getting into is really uh, you know, probably the, the best advice that I can, that I can offer. Find yeah. out, find out early. Don't wait till April 30th of senior year to figure that out. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what most people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That kind of goes back to doing the research and just really understanding what you're getting into. Those are really good points. Thank you. Sure. And where can people find you to kind of ask you these questions or connect with you? Sure. Great. So we can drop my, my LinkedIn profile. Um, people can direct message me there. That's the best way to get in contact with me. So we'll make sure to get that info out. Awesome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Life After Swim podcast. Thank you, Matt, for taking time to do this. I'm sure this will help so many swimmers with the career search and also just job interviews in general. And if you liked today's episode, be sure to like and leave a review and share with your friends so more people in the swimming community can hear this podcast. Until next time.